Hi, everyone, and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding, so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format, but I did know that I wanted to share people's stories. It has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists, including herbalists. Season 4 will air every Friday, highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast where we share stories and wisdom. Today I have a guest who was recently featured in Jerika Dodd's Pharmacist Magazine and I'm so excited to hear her story live with us. As a longtime advocate and public speaker for holistic health care, Dr. Rajinder Rai is dedicated to educating her clients throughout their journey for optimal health. With years of creating relationships with her clients, she has found a strong need for humanistic approaches to pharmacy and has naturally expanded into functional medicine, a systems biology-based approach. Dr. Rai is dedicated to providing personalized guidance to uncover the root cause of her clients' chronic illnesses and creating customized plans for them. Her expertise as a pharmacist allows her to integrate conventional medicine with functional medicine, giving her clients the best solution. She's dedicated to helping her clients make informed decisions and inspire them to take control of their health. Dr. Rai's areas of focus are hormonal imbalance, diabetes management, nutrient depletion, stress management, weight management, chronic care, as well as overall wellness. In addition to running her own pharmacy, she is the founder of Sunrise RX Health and Wellness, a patient-centric lifestyle brand providing personalized health solutions. She's also part of the Farm to Table Functional Medicine telehealth platform. So without further ado, let's connect and see what Dr. Rajinder has to say. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I am so excited to bring to you today um, Rajinder Rai, and she is a functional medicine pharmacist who specializes in women's health. So welcome, Rajinder. Hi, Marina. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, it's a pleasure. I know you were featured recently in um, the Pharmacist magazine, so congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really nice sharing my personal story of how I've um, gotten to this point and fell into functional medicine and um, with my own personal health and, you know, my daughter's health. Um, So it it was nice to be featured. Yeah, well, I hope you'll share some of that story with us today. So first of all, can you start off with where you grew up and how you came to the pharmacy field? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Northern California. I, um, you know, my, my dad's had a history of chronic heart conditions. So I've, I've been very familiar with, um, um, you know, going to the pharmacy with him and, you know, from a young age and always having that trust with the pharmacist. Uh, but to be honest, I wasn't thinking of a career in pharmacy. Um, but when I went to um, University of the Pacific, I fell into pharmacy because um, the school has a school of pharmacy as well. And it's just something that I haven't looked back on. Um, I uh, appreciated the uh, ability to work directly with patients. And I think from um, the beginning, I always knew that I wanted to work in the community. So I have that direct access to patients. And um, that's something that I had appreciated um, the community pharmacist that my dad worked with, how um, how he impacted, you know, his health and always was there to help him. And I think it's kind of like paying it forward now for myself that I'm able to do the same thing with our community. Awesome. That's so great. So how did you set 
your heart on the pharmacy major while in school? And then what were your favorite parts of the education process? Um, I think it was just a, a matter, you know, I've always liked science. So I've always, you know, you when you're in all the science classes, I think pre-health, all of your um, classes prerequisites are the same. So whether, um, whatever your final destination is. So I think um, I just, you know, with all of the, um, the fellow students that I had, um, our classmates, you know, we all just kind of, you know, gravitated together and they all happened to be pharmacy majors as well. And I switched from going into dentistry to going into pharmacy. Cause again, it was, you know, um, having that, that access to patients that I really liked and then still having the science background. And then, um, you know, and, and at that time it, it was, you know, community was where I wanted to be. So it, it made sense for me at the time. And, um, you know, when you're in school, you have these really big ideas of how you're going to change the practice and so forth. But, um, you know, when I first came in, I worked in the, uh, like a retail setting and then I was able to go on and, and have our own pharmacies, which I think it's allowed me to kind of have the, you know, create the vision that I want for myself as a pharmacist. So what kind of configuration was the pharmacy uh, profession? Was it a PharmD degree with a two to six, like two year pre-farm and then four years pharmacy? Or was it a zero through six? How did that work? Yeah, so it's actually a pre-farm, PharmD, um, you know, direct um, um, where I didn't have to do an undergrad. So I, it was two and three, but because then I switched majors, I had an extra year. So it took me, you know, um, the six years to do, but um, I didn't have to get the undergrad and PCAT. I have students that come in that do rotations with us and it's amazing that now they have to do four years of school and then, you know, of undergrad and then a PCAT and then get into pharmacy school and then residencies and then fellowships. So it's, it's a lot that, that the students have to do nowadays. So I'm grateful that I didn't have to stay in school that long. Yeah, everything is changing. And I guess the more medicine advances, and there's more medications to know about, that extends our learning experience. So can you go back and you mentioned that you were able to open your own pharmacy business? Is that right? Yes. Um, so we like a few years after working, um, we my husband's also a pharmacist. So that kind of you know, has that um, advantage and disadvantage. That's another conversation. <laughs> but um, so we had um, decided to open our own pharmacy, um, started with an existing pharmacy. So we, we didn't start it from scratch, but um, <clears throat> it gave us the autonomy to kind of have your own practice. And, um, you know, you, you were working long hours anyway. So all of the hours now kind of went for your own business versus working for somebody. And um, we also, you know, you just develop these relationships because it's one-on-one -on -one directly um, with the patients and you're able to provide the services without the corporate red tape, um, you know, everything within the scope of, you know, the practice and the laws, but at least you don't have, you know, you know, so many other people that you have to go through before you can make a, a decision directly that involves the patient care. And so I think that's what I've been lucky to have that, um, you know, whether it's adding different services like compounding, um, you know, weight loss management that we've had from, you know, the beginning um, to having supplements, uh, you know, our original pharmacy was in Santa Barbara. So we did have like a homeopathic doctor um, you know, very close to us. So we carried homeopathic, you know, medications as well. So I think um, even from the early set of, of my career, I've had alternative, um, you know, therapy that it, you know, it's never been that one size fits all. Absolutely. So can you walk us through graduation and then when you met your husband and when you decided to open the business? Yeah. So um, actually, I met my husband the last year of, I guess it was, or yeah, my rotation. So right before graduation. 
And um, so we got married in the the year before I well about a month before I graduated. So I um, I was already married by the time I had um, walked, you know, getting wow. graduated. And then um, yeah, so it was a lot that last few months. But then we um, I then I moved to Southern California, um, took my um, California board exam. And back then it was not the NAPLEG. So that was one of the, the harder board exams to, um, to take. And it was, you know, the paper exam where you had two proctors sitting in front of you, literally watching you take the exam. So it was, um, I think it was a two or three day test. I can't remember now, but, um, but it was pretty intense, but that, that was nice to get that, you know, taken care of. And um, I was already working for Long's Pharmacy, which is, um, um, was a, a local retail pharmacy as an intern. So then I just, you know, once I got my um, license, I became, you know, a pharmacist and work, continue to work for them until we opened up um, our own pharmacy, which, you know, um, my husband's the one that's always wanted to have his own. He actually has uh, moved here from England. Wow. So he's, um, yeah, so he's here. And so that he came here with that intent to have his own business. And so I think um, that was, you know, the drive to kind of um, start right away and, and have our own pharmacy. And then um, it just grew from there. So we ended up with, um, you know, started in Santa Barbara and, you know, we live in Ventura County. And so we were up to four uh, pharmacies. Wow, amazing. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. You. So can you talk to us a little bit more then about how you got involved into more of the functional medicine side as you were practicing? <clears throat> yeah. So like I was saying, um, even from the beginning of, you know, having our own pharmacies, we've always had um, alternative uh, their treatments or therapy available for our patients um, from the compounding um, and even when just, I think naturally for myself, I've never you know, when people would come in, even for recommendations, you always would ask them other questions to kind of probe into why they were coming in to, you know, even for allergies or whether it was for pain, um, anything like that. So I think naturally, I, I've always been inclined to make sure that there was other things going on uh, before just giving, you know, the medication out and so forth. But um, on a personal note, I um, about 10 years, 10 years ago, I had my own blood clots that I was walking around with at three, Wow, two in my lung. Yeah. And one in my aorta. And I didn't know that, you know, I, I, I was a busy mom doing everything that you think, you know, you're supposed to do and running, you know, working full-time in the pharmacies and your own business is like 365, right? You never have a really a day off. But, um, I was, you know, I just randomly went to the doctor, um, you know, just coincidentally, she called me and said, you know, come in. And, um, and I was treated, but I never thought about why did that happen? You know, at the time, my concern was, I just want to be back at work, I have like a PTA fundraiser to do, I have, you know, my kids need to do this, I, I wasn't really thinking about myself. So I just, you know, boom, I took care of what the problem was moved on and, and didn't think about it again. And then, um, five years ago, my dad passed away after complications from his heart surgery. And even then it was, you just, um, thought, oh, he's got chronic, he had chronic health conditions. And that's why this happened. Didn't ask. I didn't ask why I just let it be. Um, you know, and then about two years ago, my daughter got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that literally brought me to my knees because I, I just couldn't believe it. She was 18 years old, just started um, college. And, you know, I was ready to be an empty nester because she's my youngest. And um, next thing we knew, we're, we're in the hospital. Um, she has stage two um, Hodgkin's lymphoma and they needed to start chemo right away because of the location of um, where the tumor was um, pressing on her um, um, trachea. So the breathing, you know, could have been a problem, but, um, so it was really, it, it really was the experience with her where um, she asked the doctor, you know, why did this happen? And um, he, he didn't have an answer for her. He goes, well, you know, we really don't know why this happened, but we have treatments. 
And for me, that would, and you know, as a pharmacist, as a mom, I would, it just kind of like blew my mind. I was like, I've been giving treatments out, you know, for the last, I don't know, 20 plus years to people, how to take it, what to do, what not to do. But we never really ask, why did you come in here in the first place? And so that just completely changed my thinking to, you know, I, I'm not doing a, a full service to my patients or myself or my family. And so that just um, started my my journey into learning about, you know, what can we do now, you know, that my daughter has this, you know, whether it's nutrition, whether it's with could have been the stress, could it have been this? And, um, you know, I started to learn about functional medicine. And that's how I met Melody at Farm to Table. So I kind of, you know, you know, and then the doors just kept opening up. And, you know, I've met um, other like minded pharmacists that are going into this field. I mean, when you have your own business, sometimes you're just very closed in your bubble, you don't realize what's going on. And I didn't realize there's this whole other world of practitioners out there. So I've been very blessed that, you know, I keep meeting um, people that keep opening more doors and opportunities for me. So I think that, um, you know, I guess my only regret is I wish I would have started sooner, because I think it's a complete mind shift. And, um, it's, it's been beneficial for myself personally. And I think also for the clients that I have currently. Wow. Well, first of all, I want to say, I'm so sorry that your family has gone through all of this heartache, um, and health trouble. And I'm, you know, so grateful that you're coming here and sharing your story with everyone else who could benefit in some way and apply to their own life. So, you know, it takes, courage and vulnerability to share your private life. So thank you so much for doing that. And also for, like you said, even though it brought you to your knees, you're still making it a point to apply the lessons that you learned. And even though you learned them the hard way, um, you know, bring mm -hmm. that into your purpose and your passion and your business and to change other people's lives. So that's just amazing. Thank you. And then I also want to go back to some of the stuff that happened in, uh, in your story. So when the doctor called you in and found those clots, I mean, that is a huge coincidence, right? And that's an amazing doctor. She must have just uh, felt it. And then, well, you know, the, how did she, it's, it's, we talk about it. So she's actually, um, she's a personal friend. And so what, what happened was, um, we had gone to dinner the night before and that's, it, it's just random because her and I are friends, but we don't, you know, see each other that often. And so it was coincidence that I went to dinner and it, it was coincidence that she was there. And I just was telling her, you know, my arm just feels a little, does my arm look a little swollen? You know, she's, she likes to work out and play tennis and, and I usually would work out um, too. So then, you know, your weight and, and how you look with, you know, was really important. Um, and so she just said, no, well, you know, it could be anything. And, and we just kind of talked about it. And then for some reason, the next morning she called me and she insisted that, you know, here's a number to the office, come in, um, you know, just come in right away. And, and to this day, she doesn't <clears throat> know what prompted her to do that because I probably would have just not gone in because they would, it was like, oh, it's a little swollen you know, I'll just let it, you know, take its course or something like that. And then, um, and then the second thing she did was she ordered the ultrasound, which again, um, she, there's no reason that I, I didn't, I, I wasn't on like birth control pills. I wasn't on anything that would have, you know, um, given her any indication, let's check for a clot, but something, you know, she just decided to order the ultrasound um, and they did it for the aorta and that's where the, they found the first clot. And then, um, then obviously she sent for, you know, I had to go do blood work. And then the next day she had a CT scan done. And then that's when they found two more in my lungs. And, you know, I guess I, I'm just really fortunate that I, you know, just happened to be at the right time at the right place. Um, because even, you know, um, the nurses left, <clears throat> they walked, I didn't even have to go through the ER, they walked me in, 
the side door to the ICU room when I had to kind of walk in and they're just like, we've never had a patient walk into the ICU. <laughs> like yeah. we did it. Cause it just didn't, it didn't really even hit me until everything, you know, like way, probably, you know, a few years later that I actually went through this and, and I'm, I don't know how it was like a miracle, Yeah, but you know, to be honest, I, I feel like now looking back at all of these, these, um, incidences in my life, it's almost the universe has always been poking at me you know, to make a shift. And, and, and I think that's where my biggest message is, especially to women is that we don't listen, you know, we're so busy doing and doing and doing, and especially doing for others that we're not listening to ourselves, our inner, our inner voice, um, even, you know, our body or even nature, the universe, you know, of, of what's going on around us. And so, it, it took me a while to maybe get on this path that I, I needed to be on, but um, I count my blessings because it's, you know, even, even in my daughter's case, um, she was diagnosed within three weeks because of, you know, I, I feel like I have a guardian angel, <laughs> you know, so a lot of times you will just write off things like, Oh, maybe, you know, I, it's okay. Maybe it's a, in my head. It, it's, I, I'm not really feeling bad. I mean, our, our, we can really like talk ourselves out of anything almost. And, um, that's the difference between, you know, either catching something early or preventative versus, you know, it getting to a point where, um, you're in a, a worse state. Yeah. I mean, it was truly a miracle what your, you know, <laughs> your, your whole story really is like, it gave me goosebumps and, uh, I just wonder, you know, it was just a swelling, right? That was the only symptom. And then how the doctor just had that, you know, nudge or hunch that, okay, we should take out the ultrasound and then right away she finds something. So did you ever find right. out what was a contributing factor for that to happen? Um, so they, at the time they said, um, so I had uh, cardiothoracic surgery, um, there's a first rib some of us are born with. So it's above your clavicle. So it's mm -hmm. supposedly up here, um, like up here. Mm -hmm. And so they took that rib out, uh, which they say the rib is what was pressing on the aorta and then possibly the clots broke from there and then into my lungs. But now, you know, going through the functional medicine training that I have, I feel like it was probably more of inflammation and the stress that I had at that time that could have caused, you know, you know, things going on. Cause it's not like that. For, I, you, you know, how, what all of a sudden did I do that caused that rib to move or something, unless there's something else going on. So it's hard to know exactly what it is, but that's basically what they did is, um, you know, they took the rib out and then, um, I, I had to be on, um, anticoagulants or blood thinners for about a year or so to make sure, and then just go in continuously for, um, you know, checkups to yeah, make was, sure that it didn't were coming back. Yeah. I was going to ask. So after one year of therapy, you were able to just get off of everything and it never happened mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Wow. No. Yeah. I, I wonder if environmental pollution and xenoestrogens may have played a role as well. I, I think so. I didn't see again at the time, like um, even for, um, you know, I, I appreciate like, you know, for me, I always use my example as this is when, you know, the acute care when you need it, it's, it's great. Yes. I, it was found, they did the surgery. I, I mean, I had treatment and I, I was back at work, literally. Um, but we didn't step back to did, did, you know, we look at my hormone levels? No. Did we look at, you know, insulin levels? No. Um, I, I, and that was, you know, about 10 years ago. So it would have been like 37. That could have been at the beginning, you know, of perimenopause, who knows? Uh, what was going on at that time, but that wasn't, you know, it's hard for me to say, well, exactly could have been going on. But when, even when you go for your annual, you know, checkups, like even with your gynecologist and so forth, my labs, oh, your labs are normal. 
So, but that I think is the, the one misconception as well too, because your labs are normal compared to what, right? Are, where are you on that range and what are the symptoms you're having? So I think, um, again, that is really um, one of my key missions is to at least um, educate and inform women that even though your labs come back normal, you have to go by how you're feeling and, you know, kind of press and make sure the labs that you're getting, um, the one that they're the right labs and two, it's consistent with, you know, whether it was a, a blood test, a urine test and, um, saliva test and when you did it, you know, in mm. your cycle and so yes. forth, so that you're comparing the right numbers. Absolutely. Um, so, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of, and, and again, you know, as pharmacists, we sometimes forget that the knowledge that we have, we, not everybody has as well too. So then, um, you know, it's sometimes I think, oh, this information, everybody knows that, you know, these are the questions to be asking when you go to the doctor, but, you know, I'm finding out that there's a lot of, um, you know, information that women aren't aware of, or, or, you know, sometimes afraid to ask the questions to their um, practitioners and so forth. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just in shock that you said that you were 37, 10 years ago, because you don't look a day over 37. So that's just amazing. <laughs> uh, and second of all, I oh, totally agree. You. Yeah. Uh, even when we measure blood pressure, the first question that we ask is what is your normal blood pressure? Cause it's going to be specific based on mm -hmm. your normal readings. What's normal for you, even if it's not in the perfect range of 120 over 80, as we want, um, your numbers are just going to be in their own perfect range. And that's going to be perfect for you. So like right. mine are always like 20 degrees under that, you know? Um, so yeah. it depends, uh, what the units are and what, like you said, what, you just did that day could affect it, you know, your stress levels or whatever, just like it could affect blood pressure. And we ask, did you have a coffee? Did you have, you know, did you walk fast here? So we want to ask all the questions and we want to take it at the right time of day and the right time of the cycle, and then compare it to those same numbers that are normal for you and your cycle and whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're measuring. So it's not always going to fit into this right. normal standard range that right. like you were saying. Uh, and then I also want to go back to mm -hmm. your daughter's story. So did they ever find out or did you as a family ever investigate to what could possibly, you know, what was the contributing factors there? And then how did the uh, treatment work for her? So I, I think, you know, obviously when you in the immediate, you just want to go get, you know, through the treatment. And so the goal was just, you know, to do the treatment and, and kind of, um, make sure she's okay that way. But um, I don't, and then, you know, what I found is that there, this is very common in young adults. So this, you know, the Hodgkin's lymphoma that, you know, it's 20, you know, under 30, most of the, the um, cases are. Um, but she, you know, had a really stressful, you know, it's that senior year that most mm -hmm. seniors have, you know, they're applying to different colleges and she's a very, you know, motivated young woman and, you know, um, has high goals. And so she puts a lot of, you know, pressure on herself to, to do things. So I think that last year of stress, um, she did have like, um, you know, irregular periods and heavy periods and so forth before. And so she was like, I had taken her to specialists. Um, and a lot of times, like most um, young girls or young women, they're put on like the birth control to regulate their period. Um, you know, obviously there's no conclusive evidence of one thing linking to another, but sometimes, you know, obviously that could have affected her gut health with the stress and then, you know, could have affected, um, inflammation in her body, you know, so there is possibility of, of that, you know, leading to this because it's your immune system that's basically going, um, on overload. And so something triggered something which triggered this and so forth. So I, you know, it's not like all of a sudden it just appears. So, you know, we do live in an area where there's, you know, um, farmland and so forth. Um, so it could be the environment, you know, stress, um, 
you know, even the nutrition when you're like really busy, if you're not eating or lack of sleep, it's, it's hard to say, you know, um, you know, that there's one thing that we could have done, especially, you know, as a mom, you know, it goes through my mind 24 seven, like, okay, did I do something here? Or did I forget to do this? Or, or was it when I was pregnant? Or you know what, because, um, you know, I was pregnant when I was working, did I expose her to something from work? Or, you know, but at some point, you have to make peace with, you know, what's happened and try to move forward and think about, you know, what can you do to stay healthy, you know, from that point going forward. And, and that's also one of my um, key things that I want, you know, um, the audience to know is that sometimes you are diagnosed with a certain condition. Um, it could be something chronic like diabetes and, you know, obviously something more severe like cancer, but, you know, it's, it's a diagnosis. It's not you. And it's, it doesn't, you know, define who you are. And so there's ways of, you know, yes, you have to go through the treatment, but then there, that's your, your pivot to kind of look and see what can you do to change in your life um, to kind of keep it from, you know, getting worse or from, you know, the trajectory of, of where, you know, the, the end result isn't a positive one. Um, and then obviously the, the biggest um, message would be is that don't wait for that, right? You don't have to be reactive and then do something, you know, if, if we're really starting to look at, you know, um, our health and what we're doing in 24 hours, we need to switch our mindset to being more proactive. And, and I think that, you know, oftentimes we think about, oh, you know, our, my, you know, my parents didn't have to do that, or my mom didn't go through menopause or, but you know what, that was a different era, you know, what, you know, the foods that she ate, the environment that she was in, the stress levels is completely different to what we're going through now. So thinking of, of it that way is not really serving yourself. So you have to think about, you know, there's so many things that are not in our control, but there are a lot of things that we can control at the same time. And if you just focus on those, I think that will help um, to, you know, you on the right trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. That is super key. I agree. And, um, I also want to say that what, what you were saying before about looking at the whole picture. So just because something happened, you know, and at this point, of course, you're going to be reactive because it happened already, but then hopefully if everything mm -hmm. offsets and you get the treatment, which we are super lucky to have this advanced medicine and acute care to help in most cases, especially if you catch it early enough. Uh, and then afterwards, it gives you the chance to reflect and, you know, talk with your provider or investigate yourself or with another professional who really delves into the pathology of things and um, really figure out what were the contributing factors so that now you can be cognizant of that going forward and make sure you are mitigating those risks for yourself in the future. And like you said, you know, even family history, that is important. And we always ask that of our patients, but epigenetics supersedes that, you know, so it's like, mm -hmm. what are we doing in our life? And what are those things that we do have control over in our environment or in our stress level or in the way we react to stress or anything, you know, just really analyzing, like, what can we change from these factors to lessen the risk for the future to make sure that we stay healthy, that we stay, you know, vigilant, and we just improve our quality of health and our quality of life, because, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to enjoy life and not um, be scared of it or be stressed out about it. You know, it's really, really helpful to take that step back during and make time to take the step back, right? Like what you were saying about how women especially are just doing so much and taking so much on themselves, including burdening themselves with the guilt of something going wrong with the health of their children that, you know, maybe that they blame themselves for. Uh, and we're just having to carry so much. And we often just distract ourselves with the doing 
And that's, I, and I had another conversation with somebody else about like the feminine and masculine qualities that we take on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some people don't like those terms, but the yin and the yang, you could say. And so, you know, like we, when we, as women got, or are still fighting for, in some cases, equality to men, uh, it doesn't mean that we have to act exactly like them or, you know, have the same exact uh, virtues and, you know, pros and cons. It means that we have mm-hmm. equity and being, uh, you know, just a fully human being, but it doesn't mean that we should be, um, they, that we should be taking on each other's like properties and roles or when more of the masculine and the yang side is more like action oriented, whereas women mm-hmm. are more about holding space, the yin side and having those slowing down moments to be creative inside a container, which is also like the more masculine yang. So we do need structure and life as we live in this 3D reality is all about structure, right? But mm-hmm. in that structure, we should be allowed to be a little bit free flowing and create and pause and, you know, really stop and smell the roses, right? And we just like have stopped doing that. And that's why we just take on so much stress. And we think like, okay, we just have to keep going and moving through it. And then we have some kind of goals, maybe of a vacation once in a while, but that's not enough. You know, we need to make more time, a more priority to decompress and just be without having to always do or act. I I think um, you're absolutely right. And, and to be honest, um, I think it was one of the days, or it may be, it may have been the night that we were um, just went to the hospital with my daughter. And um, I think I didn't want to go eat or something. I, I don't know what it was something like that. And then my son was like, you know, mom, you don't have to be the hero all the time. And it, and at the moment, I was so upset. I was like, how can he, what is he saying? I'm, you know, I'm mom, I'm super mom. Which, you know, in my, you know, I was, I was really mad that how can, you know, this is my son. Wow. I'm over here, you know, trying to make sure my daughter's okay. What does he mean that, you know, and it took me a while to like really sit with it and understand. And, and I, for whatever reason, it's, it's given me permission to be, it's okay. I don't need to like, be in charge or in control or um, sometimes have the answers, you know, or, or have all the answers, you know, that it's, I'm not going to, you know, have that and, and ask for help. Um, because that, that as women, sometimes we take it as like, you know, I, I am not capable or I'm not, you know, a good enough mom that now I need help, whatever the case may be, obviously, you know, in in my daughter's case, it it was something, you know, more extreme with her health, but even with anything like, um, you know, and I think that whole notion of the fear of failing is, is what like, you know, drives us sometimes to keep doing and not being. And so what, you know, and it could be that you're trying to prove to yourself or you're proving to somebody that said something to you back in your childhood, whatever the case may be, there's something there that I think, um, you know, if you don't sit with yourself, you know, and really look deep in yourself to see what's going on and listen to that inner child almost to really hear those, you know, um, those issues or concerns, you, you keep, like you said, you keep piling on things to numb yourself. And I think that's what I was doing. You know, I, I have no problems or, you know, working long hours, um, you know, working every day and still coming home and doing things for the kids and then doing things, you know, volunteering here for the schools and soccer mom on the weekends, because it was easier for me to do that and stay busy than to stop and sit with myself and hear my inner thoughts, I think is, is what it was. And it took obviously all of these incidences that happened in my life to get to that point, to, to really start thinking about where I was and where I was going. And like, you know, I, I just didn't know myself. 
and this journey of like learning, you know, obviously professionally to go into now, like, you know, doing all the courses of um, functional medicine, also just at this simultaneously on a personal level, I, I'm growing as well too. So I guess everything happened for a reason at the right time so that I was ready to receive the information as well too. Because um, I, I think that's one of our, our biggest issues is that, you know, and, and I think also the reason that maybe sometimes things don't work for people is you have to be ready to receive, you know, um, whether it's a treatment plan, whether it's advice or whether it's, you know, anything that you're doing. And, and, you're more, and if your mindset is that way to be open, then all of your, your, you're happily taking in that information. And I think that's this last year has been that transformation for me because again, you know, as we were going through the treatments with my daughter, I wasn't paying attention to myself and I, you know, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating uh, properly, you know, the guilt, the, you know, being angry. I think most, more than anything, I think I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world, angry at, you know, God, um, you know, everything. And so it took a long time for me to first, you know, um, forgive myself that, you know, I'm, I did the best that I can. And um, then you start forgiving, you know, others around you, you know, wherever that anger is coming from. And, and then it just, you know, the other things started to, to automatically, then you start thinking about, okay, what am I eating? Um, what are the, you know, toxins around me? And then, you know, then you think about, okay, I need to, I want to be, you know, I'm out of breath. I need to be more physically fit. So I think it's like a, like a natural progression. Once you relieve some of the inner weight that you're holding on to, um, and then the other, um, aspects of your health also start to become more visible to you and you start listening to your body. And I think that's, you know, what's been key for me. And, and that's hopefully what I'm going to be able to share with, you know, those that I work with. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I see this all as the existential human condition. You know, we have all of our different pathways of, you know, our lives and what happens in our lives. And um, in the end, like this is all that matters, right? Um, it's an impossible goal. And to realize it's an impossible goal to be perfect, right? Or to like prove your worth to someone or to yourself and just meet yourself mm -hmm. where you are and accept. Like the first step, I think, is acceptance of what is because anger is really mm -hmm. like not acceptance. Anger is like you're so set on something that you want to be true, but you're not seeing that happen in reality. And, you know, you're faced with a different reality that you don't like. So you're angry at this incongruence. So the first thing to move forward is really to accept where things are. Uh, right. And, and just be with that, like you said, and just sit with that. Um, because then if you mm -hmm. go on to distract yourself with doing, 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 um, it's not really going to be different once you're your life maybe forces you to stop at some point if you don't stop yourself right. and you're just on this exactly. hamster wheel and a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff that we are trying to prove is unconscious or subconscious it's like you know what you were saying maybe when you were little but you don't even remember it but your unconscious or subconscious mind does hold on to certain perceptions or right. ideas that you're not even aware of. So I think first step is still to that, find that stillness, like you were saying, and acceptance of what is, and then analyzing. And you can bring some of those things to the, to the surface and work with them um, either through the mind mm -hmm. or through the body or both. And, you know, there's ways to do that, but unless you um, are willing to go there, you know, you're going to just find whether it's an unhealthy addiction, like we, you know, we see a lot of addictions with substance abuse and things mm -hmm. like that, or something that we think is like a healthy functioning performing person, but they also are using this as more of like a distraction from what's really their purpose or right. what, what are they really here for? And, you know, I really just see that as like the forefront of what people are doing and waking up to right now and just figuring out, okay, well, 
Um, if I don't like something, you know, once I'm ac- accepting that here, here it is, it now becomes my power and responsibility to then act, react to that. So it's not like blind reacting, but it's like having that space to pause. And that's also kind of like the feminine receptive yin energy to right. just sit with that before reacting but then your reaction or your action can be really intentional rather than you know just automatic you know autopilot and and keep on going but you just like constantly reevaluating and pivoting like you were saying and if something is Mm -hmm. uh, you know if you like something you keep going there if you don't like something you can change it and just realizing there is no like static things and just like going with the flow and then exerting your power whenever you can. And so that way you can control the stuff that you can control, like you said, mm-hmm. and that's all you can really do. Focus your energy on those things that you can control and then accepting the other stuff that you cannot control. And I right. also want to point out like what you were saying, like what was really helpful for you. Um, it sounds like a really huge shift happened where your will to live and to take care of your health was really at the forefront after you accepted and mm-hmm. went through your dark night of the soul. And so that's like the opposite, right? When people are sick, they're the opposite of that. And when people are really thriving, it's like their will to live is just like so abundant. And then they're just doing everything mm-hmm. they can to stay healthy and be vital and be present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the other side is like depression and all the other stuff. Um, so, so I think that's the goal, like to keep on striving for that will to live. Like you want to wake up and you want to follow your mission in the world every day. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think also, um, being, you know, in community pharmacy and having different specialties, we also have, um, um, big demographics that we help seniors, um, you know, that are in like uh, assisted facilities, which I think also shows me the progression of health as well too. And, and I, to be honest, that was the trajectory I was on. I was going to go into being board certified as a geriatric pharmacist. So that, you know, that was, you know, professionally that seemed like the right thing to do. And, and, um, you know, although, you know, our pharmacies are, are there for those patients, but I feel like my personal calling is more to be on the side before those, <clears throat> you know, diseases progress to that point um, where then, you know, you're, you're needing um, assistance and, and so forth, because you want to have a like healthy life where you can do the things, especially, you know, in our, in our society, we work so hard and we wait till retirement to, to enjoy life. And so you think you still want to be able to do things and, and, you know, enjoy grandkids and travel, hopefully when everything is clear <laughs> um, and so forth, um, but not be where then, you know, you retire and then all of a sudden these health issues start coming up, right? It's not, again, like we were talking, the health issues didn't happen that day. They've been happening over a lifetime. And so changing our mindset to being more proactive about you know, what we're doing on a daily basis, the level of stress that we have in our lives, um, ways that we can take that time to just be still with our mind and reset, you know, we reset everything else, you know, even our computers need updates, right? But we never do it for our bodies. And so, you know, whatever that may be for you personally, whether it's, you know, um, tapping into your spirituality, you know, your religion, wherever your strength comes from, whether it's nature, um, you know, sometimes, you know, community, the sense of belonging, I think that's really important. And, and I think, again, this last year of having to socially distance is also put um, the importance of that interaction um, with people um, and, and the socialization and so forth, um, you know, at the forefront of how important it really is. And um, so I think we have to really think about what is it, you know, overall, what are we trying to achieve? You know, even if you're working really hard, what is your ultimate goal? 
And is it spending time with your family? So then, you know, then you want to like reset your life to make sure that that's on a daily basis, not on a once in a, you know, one week vacation that you, that we normally go to or something like that. So that it's, it's small state uh, changes that become habits, you know, to, that you're able to sustain, I think is what's important. Yeah. I love that idea of, even though you have this grand goal that you're working towards breaking it up and making sure you're enjoying some of those fruits of your labor more frequently and not just, you know, okay, in 20 years from now, I'll be, I'll be doing this, but you never know, like life is not guaranteed. You really have to take it one step at a time and make sure you you're giving yourself that joy, whatever that is. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and scheduling that in literally into your schedule. Um, so I'd love to hear about your functional medicine work that you're doing now as part of farm to table or in your pharmacies, how you're implementing it and any kind of pearls of wisdom from that. Um, yeah, so on a, um, virtual platform, I'm part of farm to table. So I'm able to see clients, you know, um, virtually, um, licensed in California, um, in our pharmacies, we've just, again, are changing our whole setup of uh, bringing in more things um, to help patients with like coming into the pharmacy, not just when they're sick, but hopefully when they want to get educated on how to be healthy. So we've added different supplements, um, you know, even for our regular, you know, patients coming in with medications, we've added nutrient depletion to make sure that any of their medications that they're taking aren't causing some of the nutrient depletion and then giving them the options, you know, you know, what to look, you know, symptoms to look for in case they want to do that to talk to their providers as well too. Um, you know, having more just like educational classes. I've been holding a lot of webinars, um, um, last fall I did, um, women's health series from, uh, you know, menopause, perimenopause, you know, all the different hormonal changes, PCOS to, um, heart health, brain health. And then, uh, most recently I did, uh, talk on, um, let's talk eating, um, versus dieting. Cause I think there's such a, you know, again, that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, you know, just learning to eat the foods that are right for you, particularly not what the, the latest fad says, I think is important and learning to listen to your body about those foods as well is, is what's important. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically where I'm at right now is hopefully, you know, working with clients one-on-one and then still, you know, I'm still involved in the pharmacies to kind of integrate, you know, conventional medicine with functional medicine to find that balance for the the patients that we have that way. Wow, that's wonderful. So are these special add on services that clients can uh, pay for out of pocket in the pharmacy? Yes. So right now, um, you know, we're still adding it, phasing it in, you know, with pharmacy, it's always a little different, like um, adding these services. But um, definitely, you know, making patients right now, we're at the awareness stage of making patients aware that, you know, the certain medications that they're taking can cause a nutrient depletion. And then when they want um, a full consultation, then they schedule with me so that they can have a um, one-on-one conversation to kind of get more and, you know, more informed, detailed. Our pharmacists are um, kind of getting trained, but they're not... um, you know, doing one-on-one separately right now. Okay. That's awesome. So yeah, I think a lot of the basics uh, can be extrapolated and like you said, educated on, on a general level, but then you definitely want to have the individual approach on top of that too, to see what each person is needing. Yeah. I think also what I've, what I've found is of the clients that I've worked with and some of the clients actually are very open to going to alternative um, practitioners. And sometimes they're going to so many, they're getting so much information that I think I found that um, you also need somebody to decipher all of this information with. And I think that, you know, functional uh, pharmacists are really key um, to helping 
because, you know, we have the background with, you know, conventional pharmacy and all of the medications and biochemistry. And then if you're trained in functional medicine, you have that background as well. So we're a great resource for um, people really trying to make good decisions on what treatment plans you want to do, because it can be overwhelming. Um, even if, you know, you're already seeing a holistic practitioner, you know, do this test, do that test, add these supplements or eliminate this. And, you know, I think people just need a streamlined approach and really, um, you know, uh, somebody to kind of like help them step back and look at it from, you know, the whole picture instead of just that immediate need. I found the same thing with my clients that I'm kind of like that gatekeeper that's mm -hmm. figuring out, all right, like how to streamline all of this advice and this work that you're doing with other people and cut out, you know, what's not necessary or redundant. And then, um, you know, keeping just like the, the basics and the most essential things, because like you said, it can get overwhelming with the amount of time you're just going to different places and also right. like the money that you're paying them and then the money that you're spending on tests and supplements. So it's like, you just really want to put it down to a bare minimum and then see what's working. Cause then you also won't know what's working. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much for your time and coming on and really sharing your personal story and professional journey with us. Do you have just like a minute or two for rapid round fire questions? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so number one, what's your number one advice for people to improve their quality of life right now? Um, you know, learn to ask for help. It's okay. Love it. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite hobby? Um, actually I would normally say shopping, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> to it's, it's just, it always was again, like a, you know, zoning out and retail therapy, but, um, my med walking meditations have actually been the, um, really, really great. Love that too. Okay. And, uh, lastly, what is your favorite food to eat? I have to default to Indian food. You know, I've, I've done all of this, um, all of these different diets. I did, you know, try to do a vegetarian keto. I did vegan, Mediterranean and so forth. And I think I've finally gotten back because I've started cooking again myself that I enjoy the, the food because one, it just brings you back to your own childhood memories and like, you know, mom's cooking and so forth. And so I, I, I it's, it's, I can't beat Indian food for yeah. myself though. So. It's like coming full circle and really honoring your roots. Mm -hmm. and, and trust me, I, I avoided, I avoided cooking like the plague because I was like, no, I, you know, I'd rather go to work than cook, but now I enjoy being in the kitchen. And I think also having that relationship with food in a different way, that it's not a chore that you're cooking versus this is food and this is the nutrients or that you're putting in your body. And so the whole thought process is different. So I think the cooking is, has become, you know, almost like a therapy in a way that, right. you know, you're enjoying the cooking. And so I think um, it it's changed my whole thought process. And now I kind of see how my mom always enjoyed being in the kitchen and, and doing that because that was her way of, you know, showing her love to us, you know, um, through her food. And, and I used to be like, I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be in the kitchen. And <laughs> here I am. I spent the last two days in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally believe that cooking imparts your emotions and especially if that's an emotional mm -hmm. love into the food, then you're really doing yourself a service by preparing your food and for mm -hmm. your family. Um, rather than having it outsourced elsewhere. And, you know, your kitchen could be your place of healing and nourishment. Right. All right. Well, I, again, loved the interview. Could you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you directly, learn more about what you do and just say hi? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on um, Instagram. You can follow my personal page is at Ron O'Reilly. Um, 
and um, it has the link to uh, farm to table. And then also I have our um, Sunrise Health page, which has more information and tips on staying healthy. Um, so that at S-U-N-R-A-I-S health. Awesome. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you again. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new from it. I certainly get super inspired by the guests I have on. If the same is true for you, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms and a shout out on social media. You can find me at my name, Dr. Marina Booksov or at the tag at raw fork. So I look forward to connecting and I hope you have a great week ahead.